1: Henning said the podium was delivered to the state on August the 9th and is yet to be used by the governor. Henning said it was, quote, purchased with the governor's inaugural fund at the Republican Party of Arkansas. She went on to say these desperate radical left keyboard warriors spread outright lies and tried to manufacture a controversy where one does not exist. State records show that the Republican Party of Arkansas reimbursed the state with a $19,029.25 check on September 14th. Last week, Henning told the Democrat Gazette the lectern would also be used by the Republican Party of Arkansas for other officials and that taxpayer money did not pay for it. The credit card fee that accompanied the purchase of the lectern was an accounting error, she said. The podium is owned by the Republican Party of Arkansas, said Seth Mays, executive director of the Republican Party of Arkansas. The party reimbursed the state through a special project account, which Mays described as a fund used by the party to pay and reimburse the state for political expenditures or expenses such as to fly a member of Sanders staff to a Republican Governors Association event. May said those types of expenses are not paid for by the party's typical donors, but from a special account set up for the governor's inauguration. It is also a fund routinely used for reimbursement for the uh, previous governor, for this governor, and I suspect future governors, for these types of expenses, Mays said, disclosures about the lectern uh, and its purchase have led to numerous accusations against the governor. Some have questioned why the state decided to purchase the podium from Beckett events now here's the key if it was the, if the money was reimbursed okay uh to the state from the state Republican party, it does not matter Don't have to do. You know, uh, somebody who wants to put in the, the smallest bid—that's not necessary.
2: No, no, it's not. But there's a, there's a couple of things. Really, there's three things. First of all, it's it's not just left wing keyboard warriors that are questioning this. There are plenty of people in the Republican Party questioning this. I've, well, I've what, been getting texts. What, what's and messages. everybody
1: questioning? All right. Well, that's th- pretty I, clear explanation. To it, me. It,
2: it it's an explanation, but. I think there's a there's a trust thing there because all of a sudden on September 14th we're reimbursed, but a, but a taxpayer funded credit card paid for it, and then when you see it was uh, just a simple accounting error or portrayed that way, then the question is how many more accounting errors
1: are we having? Back with you. Don't forget about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry if you're looking for wedding rings, if you're looking for engagement rings, uh, if you've gone out and talked to a jeweler already. Uh, get all get all those uh, that information together. You know how many carrots, what kind of what kind of stones, what kind of you know you're using gold, gold. Are you using platinum gold? Are you using rose gold or whatever? And uh, take all that information over to Eric Coleman. Show him the price of the ring that you're purchasing, and then let him give you a better bid. Because I'm going to tell you what he'll give you a better bid. It probably be cheaper by ten to thirty percent. And that's a lot of money when you're dealing with jewelry like that. You start talking maybe $16,000 for a ring set, folks. You know, 10% of that is a lot of money. $1,600, bucks. that would go towards a nice uh, honeymoon. Anyway, go over and talk to Eric. Eric's a good friend of mine. I've bought a lot of jewelry from Eric uh, because you get the best price from Eric and you get the best quality from Eric. He's at 3000 Cavanaugh, Sweet E. He's open uh, today. And he's open every day, Monday through Saturday, 10 till 6. Highest quality, great display cases to shop out of, unique creations if you want one from Eric Coleman and Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. All right, joining us from Washington, D.C., we'll go back and, and cover more about the lectern, all right? We're not, we're not, not forgetting about it. We're going to go back and, and do more on it. But I'm just telling you, there's bigger fish to fry here than just the lectern. Uh, that's on the front page of the paper. A lot of, a lot of topics. A lot yeah, of a topic. lot. But like the, the the story that's coming up that we're going to do at 8 o'clock, I haven't even seen it mentioned in the local paper.
2: No, but I think that's, that'll be coming. Well, The I, more I, <laughs> we bring out.
1: <laughs> After we tell the story on the air that if it isn't, I'm going to be stunned, to yeah. be honest with you. All right, so anyway, we're going to be joined uh, with uh, Congressman uh, Bruce Westerman, who's up at a, a crazy circus that's going on called the United States Congress. Uh, Bruce, can you kind of make sense of what in the heck is going on up there? Who who are these people that are holding up uh, legislation and causing McCarthy a lot of problems right now uh, because they're not even running for Congress again? They won't be there next year or the year after. Uh, they're wanting to be governors and things of that nature.
3: Well, maybe that's the part of the explanation of the story to get your your name out, but they're doing it at the expense of a of the country, really. And you know, we're, we're finally doing appropriation bill. We could have been doing them in uh, in June or July, um, but you know, people've held them up. You can't debate a bill on the floor if you get a rule passed, and uh, the appropriations committee the speaker's office there's been a ton of work going on trying to get people to the point where they would vote for the rule and last week the speaker finally said okay if you're going to take a rule down you're going to take it down but we're going to put them out there and vote on it sure enough they took the rules down um it's i, I an expression i heard is like an arsonist calling the fire department uh... for People to go out and say we we've got to get our spending under control, and then not not allowing you to put the bills on the floor where you actually um, debate and amend and pass the bills that uh, do the spending through what we call regular order. But the uh, the the train's back on the track. It's uh, you know we were still voting after midnight last night, and debate went on into about three in the morning, and it, it'll be like that probably until we get done. So. I uh, have to make sure I got plenty of coffee up here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, tell tell me this: is does it look like you guys are going to be able to keep the, the the government up and running during all of this, or are you going to have a short shutdown because of it?
3: Well, th- th- that's the question everybody's asking. Um, so, we've got four four of the twelve appropriation bills. Uh, that we're debating and amending this week. We've already passed one, the military uh, construction and the VA bill. That one's already passed. We're doing the defense bill, which is the biggest one. We're doing the agriculture bill. That's the one we're debating and doing amendments on right now. Now we're doing the homeland uh, security bill, and we're doing the uh, state and, and foreign ops bill. Uh, so when all of those are done, that will account for about 73% of the, the total budget. Uh, we've got several smaller bills left to do, uh, but there's just, there's not time to get them all done before Saturday, which is September 30th. So the, the, the thought is that we will uh, do a short-term spending bill. You give us time to do the rest of them, uh-huh. but that's the one that gets, says he's, he will not support. And, you know, he's kind of created this situation, but not allowing um, bills to come to the floor to, to debate them and do the work. So, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where you just get up in the morning and you do your job, and put one foot in front of the other one, and see, see where it ends up. But um, the, the Senate has prepared a continuing resolution and there's a chance that'll get jammed on us. And when I say jammed on us, um, if they send it over and five or six Republicans join with Democrats on a discharge petition, they could bring that bill or another spending, um, short-term spending bill to the floor and, uh, you know, be a, a bill passed by Democrats and a few Republicans.
1: So this is like pogo. We've met the enemy, and he is us.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, kind of how it is, unfortunately. Uh, but that's what you deal with when you've got a. Right now, we've got a four-vote majority in the House, and we got uh, you know Frank Lucas from Oklahoma. Uh, he's a cattle farmer. He got run over by a bull in August and was in the hospital with, with broken bones. Steve Scalise is getting uh, chemotherapy. Um, you know, it's just things like that happen, so it's hard to have everybody here uh, to vote uh, when you need them, and a, a few people can really flex their muscles on uh, on these appropriation bills. And, you know, it sounds good. If you get the sound soundbite, we've got to stop uh, this out-of-control spending, which I agree with that, and so does probably every other Republican in our conference, but the next question is, okay, how are you going to do that? Well, the way you do it, you pass appropriation bills, and you put them on the floor, and you debate them, and pass them, and send them to the Senate. Uh, there's not any other way to do it.
0: A,
2: hey, Congressman, Jimmy. How you doing this morning? Good, Jimmy. Good in to a, talk to you. You know, I think the American people, I know how I feel, is if a congressman or congresswoman are standing on conviction and stand up and say, "Look, this is not what my people want," and I'm going to. Yeah, if they're doing
1: Mr. Smith goes to Washington, yeah, we can kind of understand I, it.
2: I I get that, and I and I respect that, even if I disagree with their stance, right?
3: But and, I, and I'm all I'm all for that. But but, but yeah, my question is, is: is
2: this is this? Do you see that? Is th- do you see it as that, or do you see it as grandstanding?
3: Yeah, I hate to try to guess what other people's motives are, especially when it's fellow Republicans, but there's there's no path forward. Killing appropriation bills or killing the rules on appropriation bills does not leave you a path forward. It it goes to uh, a government shutdown. So then if the government shuts down, some people say, well, that's, that's fine. It needs to shut down. But how does it start back up? And at the end of the day um, – you're you're not going to accomplish uh, the objective that you say you want to accomplish. There's a there's a there's convictions, and then there's how do you get results? And uh, you know, I would love to throw a, a long bomb every day, but they don't even have that play called. It's just we're not going to. Uh, uh, I don't I don't understand. It, it defies logic. If there was logic behind it, I could kind of understand it, but. Uh, there is no end game in what they're doing.
1: Yeah, that that's the crazy stuff here uh, for us, Congress. And we had Congressman Hill on yesterday, and he talked about it as well. Can you explain to the listeners that the way you're doing this is the way it's got to be done? We're making we're making uh, you know forward momentum here, but we can't. It, it's we can't just undo what Biden. And, and and his uh you know ilk have have put together over the last three years,
3: right, we can undo a lot of it. it. had we been smart and and passed these bills early on and got them to the Senate, we could have really put them in a bond, especially with what's going on with uh immigration right now. I'm getting ready to do a hearing this morning in my committee uh, an oversight hearing of the, the park service because they're, uh, building migrant shelters on park service land in, in New York city. And, the the speaker's strategy was, um, you know, originally was to put the border security bill that we passed, HR two, which is the only, mm-hmm. uh, immigration reform bill that's, I think it's been passed maybe in my lifetime. And, uh, put that onto the Homeland Security bill and send it to the Senate. Well, when it got to the point where we weren't going to get all the appropriation bills done, he said, well, let's put that on a CR. That would have been a great strategy to send the Senate a CR with HR two on it, the uh, secure our border act and say, okay, do you want to shut down the government or shut down the Southern border? And if, if I vote against that bill, would have been to keep the government open or keep to close the government and keep the border open a vote for it would be to keep the government open and close the border now that's a smart strategy that has a an end game to it and we could have gotten real reforms and we still may be able to do that that's the plan is is thursday or friday to bring that bill to the floor and uh Say, here's your bill to keep the government open, but guess what? You're going to shut the border if you keep the government open. Uh, but, uh, you know, one of the problems with that, the Senate's already pushing a bill uh, to the House that's going to get here before we're able to do that continuing resolution bill. It's not really even a continuing resolution because it has the cuts in it, uh, even though it would only be like a one-month long bill. Uh, Spending or funding bill, so we could continue doing the uh, the uh, appropriation bills. But that's you know that's strategy. That's a plan. That's something that would would work and get us a lot further down the road. Um, sitting here and waiting for the Senate to send something so you can grope about it and say the House should have done it. That's not really a
1: strategy. Uh, with us this morning, Congressman Bruce Westerman. <laughs> Congressman Westerman in in August. Three hundred thousand illegals came into our country. That's bad enough. But when we read that seven hundred and fifty thousand Venezuelans are being given work permits to come directly into our country, that's a slap in the face to the American people. How do we get this 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 president's uh, administration under control?
3: Yeah. Dave, there's so much more to that as well. You know, people are fleeing Venezuela because they're a socialist country. Yes. Joe Biden's begging Venezuela for more oil. Uh, You've got um, 6 billion illegal crossings since Biden became president, 11,000 in one day, which is an all-time record. They're setting new records every week. You're seeing videos of trains heading towards the border from the south. Uh, twenty-five thousand pounds of fentanyl seized this year. That's that's unfathomable. That's enough to kill not thousands or millions, but billions of people. Um, it's like uh, about three hundred people a day die in America because of fentanyl poison. Think if a uh, think if an airliner was going down every day in our country. Do you, you think there would be more uh, focus from the administration to stop that from happening? Yeah, I think the uh,
1: FAA might be sitting in front of Congress.
3: Yeah, a few uh, uh, th- thousands of unaccompanied minors. Human trafficking is at an all-time high. Now, uh, you know, I've got this hearing today because uh, they're building temporary shelters on Park Service land uh, and waiving all environmental regulations to do that. But what you're talking about on the – I think it was 460,000 Venezuelans that he granted temporary work status. Right. Um, now, another story that's probably not making as much news that happened right at the same time as that, he's, he's creating the uh, the Civilian Conservation Corps Program. That's, you, know, you get the acronym for that, the CCCP. Um, so uh, – and we're, we're talking to somewhere to 10 to 30 billion-plus program to put young people to work, uh, you know, being climate inspectors, supposedly doing all this, uh, you know, training them to, to put uh, solar panels in. And, uh, but it's, it's strange that he did the executive order to create his civilian conservation climate program Literally the same day, or within a day of when he gave us 460,000 uh, temporary work statuses. So I'm wondering if if this is where he's going to get his workers for the uh, uh, the CCCP per, uh, that he's setting up. You, you can't you can't make it up. Nothing surprises me anymore that this bunch does, and it gets back to appropriation. The way we shut them down is we pull their money away. The way you do that is like what we did last night on the floor, offering amendments to restrict funding to these different agencies. And the Appropriations Committee had already done a great job of cutting these agencies. Uh, Out of the 12 appropriation bills, we increased two of them, defense and military uh, construction and, and veterans affairs. Those two bills got an increase. When you take what's left over, we've cut them an average of eight percent, um, that's straight out of the Appropriations Committee. An example, the uh, an agency that um, I've got little use for right now is called the Council of Environmental Quality. They've got an authorization to have a million dollars a year to fund their supposedly small office in the White House. Last Congress, Democrats gave them 62 and a half million dollars. They're the the head of the snake. They're the ones that are pushing all these uh, crazy rules. They're the ones that that declared an emergency and waived the environmental rules, waived NEPA and the Endangered Species Act, so that they can build migrant shelters on park service land uh, in New York. They're the ones that are putting the restrictions out there or directing the the agencies to put restrictions on developing energy. um, And you know, I, w- I went to the Appropriations Committee and said, you know, let's cut their their budget. And I think the, the mark has them at about two to $3 million a year. But I've got an amendment when we do that appropriation bill to take them down to $1 million a year. That's how you stop them. You cut the funding off. These appropriation bills should be uh, a strategic approach to stopping the bad actions of the administration.
1: Now, that is the theme from The Twilight Zone, and I picked that specifically for this hour because in just a moment you're going to hear a story that I think that you're going to agree with me belongs uh, as a, as an episode of The Twilight Zone. I wish that Rod Serling was still alive and that uh, I could have him lead us into this, but I'll let Jimmy do that today. So you get to be Rod today. I get to be Rod. Uh, you you tell us who who is this this lady that you've brought into the studio today? We've we've mentioned her mm-hmm. on the air before, but we've never had her on the show, and uh, some very interesting things have happened.
2: Yeah, this um, the young lady we have with us is Tanisha Howard. She's affectionately known as Tan, and she's the dean of students at the North Rock High School, and I. St- Tan reached out to me about the first week of August, and I have to tell you, my admiration has done done nothing but grow daily for her. And she's got a story that you're not going to believe. So we're that's gonna why let I played that music. Yeah, yeah, this is crazy. And so we're going to let Tan kind of tell us how this all began. What happened on February 14th of this year?
4: Love and light to all. On February fourteenth, I was called into um, central office. Um, Jacob Smith um, read me a letter stating that I was put going going to be put on admin leave for um, inappropriate contact with a student while on the job.
1: Okay, let me let me stop you right there, right off the bat. Who is Jacob? Uh, this this person who started reading this letter to you
4: he's the exec- executive director of human resources okay
1: so you know it's serious now right right when, when you're sitting down and they start reading a, a letter like this to you so improper what improper relationship is that what they were saying inappropriate inappropriate okay mm-hmm. i want to make sure we got that that right. was
4: the first letter i received
1: okay Okay, so we're gonna you're gonna hear about multiple letters. Oh yeah! So you go ahead and continue your story.
4: So upon receiving this letter, I I really thought it was a joke. So I kind of laughed and like, is this a joke? And Jacob was like, No, it's not a joke. So I took the letter and I left out. I was really really upset about it. Like, where did this come from? But so I you
1: really, were blindsided.
4: I was blindsided. Okay, I was, had no idea. Now did they? tell you who made the allegation and what the allegation was i had n- absolutely no information i just had this letter that said um, you are being put on administrative administrative leave um for inappropriate contact with a student while on the job yeah. but they they gave you read no between, reason
1: read between no the reason. lines <laughs> here all right i mean you knew what that meant right
4: i d- had no idea oh okay what that meant Inappropriate. I was trying to fish for information from Jacob, but he said I'll be contacted. Oh,
1: nice of him to say that. Okay.
4: So, so what happened next on March
2: second? You get a notice, right?
4: Yes. Yeah, so I received another letter. That letter stated um, something about Title Nine sexual harassment. So now I'm really, really just don't know what to think or know what to do because i'm receiving all these letters and i have absolutely no information on who's behind it or what's going on
2: and i've got the letter of course you and i've
4: been working together on
2: this and it says the letter f- notify you the filing of a formal complaint of sexual harassment involving you the details of the allegations are included on the provided formal complaint form they didn't give you that, though, did they? No. To this day. To this day, no. Have they not given you that? No. And so you did it. You still don't know what the specific allegation is? That is correct.
4: I still do not know.
1: Okay, now I'm, I'm just going to say off of just what we've heard. I'm smelling lawsuit. All right? I'm just saying this is <laughs> – if it were me, they'd be smelling lawsuit for me because if I've not done anything wrong – I'm going to burn the schoolhouse now mm-hmm. for my name. My name means everything to me. I wouldn't let anybody get away with that.
2: No, and that's the great thing about Tan is she has tried to play by the rules. She's tried to go by the system to get the information. And this went on for months and months and months. And, and to her credit,
1: to her credit, from what I've heard, she's not going to burn the schoolhouse now. No, is that right? <laughs>
2: No, what she's what she's asking for in is, uh, and we'll read them later because we've got it. But Tan, what Tan's asking for basically, is she just wants a letter of an apology. She wants them to admit that Jacob Smith, the HR director and Title IX coordinator, violated federal law, which we proved he did. And she would like the district to ask uh, AD Secretary Jacob Oliva for the AD to do an audit. Of all Title IX complaints and investigations under Jacob Smith to do that audit and then provide that report, whatever those findings are, good or bad, to the board and for the board to post them on the district website. Uh, She would also like that these from the board create a policy where the superintendent, before there's a finding on a Title IX, a sexual allegation complaint that the superintendent reviews that file, reviews the investigation, and checks off that federal laws were followed mm-hmm. and then signs on that off to the board.
1: Kind of makes, makes sense that the superintendent would be read right into everything that's going on yeah. in this case. I and, agree.
2: And, she, and That's what she's doing is she's saying, look, she's trying to make sure this doesn't happen to some other other uh, staff member, because this has been devastating. Now, we are, she is also asking that they provide the documents that they're supposed to give her by federal law that they still have not given her. We're going to contend that a lot of those documents don't even exist. Mm-hmm. But this, after she got this notice, so you were put on paid men leave. You, told, you were told to go home. Don't step foot on campus, right? Correct. And so that was on uh, February 14th. So they started an investigation.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, f- federal law says they were supposed to provide you the complaint. They didn't do that, did they? Right. Federal law says that they were sp- supposed to provide you all the evidence gathered in the investigation. Correct. Did they do that? They did not. Federal law says that not only are they to provide it, they are to send it to you 10 days before the investigation goes to the decision-maker so that you can mount a defense and, and present your own evidence and witnesses. That's correct. Did they do that? They did not. Okay. Did they provide you a support process as mandated by federal law? They did not. Okay. And so it goes to the decision-maker, which was the assistant superintendent, Tori Hooper. Okay. In her In her letter, she basically... Dismisses the accusations um, against you, but they didn't, they still never tell you what the accusations were, right? That's correct. Now we've got tran We did. We're able to get transcripts from the interviews, mm-hmm. from the investigations. So that's how we learned what the accusations were and in some interesting facts.
1: That I'll say I know the facts that you're going to talk about.
2: Yeah. And so, uh, uh, one crazy thing, on March 13th, uh, this is how incompetent they were. Jacob Smith actually sent her a letter on March 13th. Now, listen to this. It says, Dear Miss Howard, as you were, the district has received a formal complaint alleging sexual harassment involving you or your child. I plan to interview your child, her child, right. on March 17th, 2023, regarding pending complaint. The interview will occur at the North Hill Rock Rock uh, High School. However, your child will be expected to respond to questions directly and as developmentally appropriate. She doesn't have a child. There's no child involved <laughs> in this. The complaints against her, this is how inept. They literally send her a thing saying, hey, we're going to interview your child in this. Well, she does have a child. He's a grown man.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, <laughs> that's how inept they were. So when they get the uh when they f- she finally gets a letter August 7th. Now keep in mind they put her on admin leave in February 14th.
1: Yeah, a nice Valentine's Day present.
2: Right. So by by mid-April the investigation's over. We can tell that f- we can tell that from the interviews. They leave her Dangling. Dangling till August 7th, right before school starts. She doesn't know if she's going to have a job. She doesn't know if she's going to jail off false allegations. Well, sure. She doesn't know if the police are fixing to be at her house. She doesn't know if she's going before uh, a state board, before DHS, before the Arkansas State Police. She knows nothing. And when they send her this letter, put in her bag, it's kind of like no says, harm, no foul.
1: Yeah, yeah. You got you. Sh- you got your job so uh you know have a great school year.
2: Yeah. And so
1: that's amazing. That's the audacity and arrogance of that is amazing to me.
2: Now here's where I want to show her resolve. Because that was on August 7th. On August 8th, she sends the superintendent Dr. Peloski, Deputy Superintendent Tory Hooper and Tory Hooper and uh Dr. St. Louis, the high school principal and Jacob Smith the hr director and title IX coordinator who facilitates all this and this is what i love about tan she said good afternoon i'm being thrown back into the work environment without any proper information on the investigation i do not feel comfortable being around students at this point as i was falsely accused i'm aware that i am free to return to work however not knowing who my accuser is makes that difficult Who's to say that I won't have that student in my office unknowingly and they try to sabotage me again? That student should be held accountable as my reputation and career was on the line. I'm highly upset at this point, and I do not have information in being told to return to work like nothing ever happened.
1: Back with you, Dave Ellswick's show. You're hearing an unbelievable story on the air today. You really are. I mean, seriously. You couldn't have told me this would have would have happened, uh, and that they would not have followed up uh, the way they should have on this, and that the superintendent of the school wouldn't have gotten involved in this until the very, very end. That's, that's just amazing to me.
2: He's actually, Tan, to her credit, she has really played this as, about as professional as, as you can get. She's really tried to go along the lines of policy, law, and rules, mm-hmm. and she's followed every step. You know, uh, we asked to meet with the superintendent to discuss not getting the information, and he refused to meet with us, even right. though he says he has open-door
1: policy. Okay, we've got more to talk about yeah. about that. Let's go back now. Let's roll it back because I told everybody there's more to this story. You know, a little Paul harvey here. There's more to the story, and that is it wasn't a kid who came forward and said, you know, there was inappropriateness from from uh, this teacher. It was another faculty member. Yes. And they went out and got other kids involved in it. Re-
2: recruited and used vulnerable kids. That's exactly right. When Tan reached out to me, she reached out to me the 1st of August because she couldn't get anything. And a friend of hers, I think, had said, you may need to call Jimmy Kevin. I'm so glad she did because through that we started working together and we were able to force them to give us the transcripts this is where it gets really because things this where pictures, it gets
1: interesting to say at least because
2: then we find out there's a teacher at the high school named michelle blakely who does not like tan and we see tan and i are going through the transcripts mm-hmm. and she goes
4: well that's michelle blakely and yeah, we're you knew her. who it was then, huh? Yeah, she was the first interview I read, and it was kind of weird. Like, why would they interview? Me and her had a history prior. She put some false allegations on me. So when she was the first interview I read, I immediately was like, wait a minute, something's not right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. it's, right. yeah,
2: and so I'm talking to Tan about it, and I said, well, that name seems familiar. You remember we were having that conversation, and so... I think i look back and and i get messages all the time from people daily well i remembered getting a message from this woman back in july this woman sent me a message and and so when i when i reviewed it i thought there's there's nothing here she's just crazy (laughs) i just gave i gave it no so i just went on but when tan said this is michelle Blakely, i said that name rings a bell with me and we started talking about i said wait a minute Because the accusations Michelle was making in there, so I looked back through my messages, and she had messaged me telling me that Tamika Howard was having sex with a student. But the way she phrased it, and I won't go through it all, but the way she phrased it, I went, nah, lady, you're nuts. I'm not even dealing with you, so I moved on. But then when we see this, I'm going, hold on a minute. So we we determined that she was reaching out to me for me to go after Tanisha. Well, Tanisha starts reading the transcripts to me, and Tanisha, you can roughly tell what she was saying in there. It was just all over the place.
4: Yeah, it was a bunch of gibberish, a yeah. bunch of nonsense. She was just everywhere. Nothing really made sense that she was seeing in her transcript. She talked about students
2: who were telling her information in uh, telling miss Blakely information she said students are telling me this students are telling me this and they say okay who are th- our stu- who are those students well i think it was this one or i think it was that when she never could name the actual students that were telling her this so when we dig into that i go back and i say okay so me being me i called that teacher okay and I say, hey, I I just now seen your message. Tell me what's going on. Well, she literally starts telling me that Tanisha's having sex with a student, and that these students are telling. She tells me that the 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 kid that she says Tanisha's having the affair with goes to Tanisha's house and to go swimming with her in her pool and hang out with her at her pool. Tanisha, do you have a pool? <laughs> I do not have a pool. <laughs> <laughs> And so, I, I honestly, I'm just playing this to you. I'm saying, okay, tell me more and tell me more. And by the time I get off the phone, I'm going, you're a psychopath. You're an absolute psychopath. So, I talked to Tanisha. This all stems from an incident with this lady that actually happened the prior May. Where she, and I'm going to let Tanisha tell it, uh, that she falsely accused you of battery.
4: Right. Um. She... I went into her classroom one day. I didn't know that she had something against me. I went in the classroom because a teacher asked me to check on a student or something. So while I'm in her classroom, she just yells, get out of my classroom. So I I have absolutely no, like I was taken aback because why are you yelling at me and my students?
1: All right. So let me bring you up. If you've just joined us. Uh, we have a uh, faculty member from North Little Rock School District, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, Dean she's of known, Students. In yeah, North Dean Rock of Students. You know, that's even more important. I mean, high position of authority and uh, of, of responsibility and accountability. And uh, she's sitting here in my studio today telling us a story, telling us what has happened to it. It's not just a story. It's not, this is not like, you know, Mother Goose time or something. Uh, this is, this is a, a real thing that happened to this woman. And uh, people have uh, been playing very loose and free with facts uh, as far as this, uh, this lady is concerned. Uh, basically, as the school district called her into a, a meeting, of all things, on Valentine's Day and gave her a letter saying, Stay off the property, the school grounds. Uh you've been uh you've been you know, we had somebody put a complaint in about uh, sexual harassment against you and uh they didn't say who it was or what the what the allegations were. She's sitting out there uh basically at home, can't do anything and not getting any information and when the information starts coming out comes out and drips first and then starts coming out uh in a river and we found out that uh, that we got another teacher uh, or another faculty member that is involved in this who had some bad blood with her and out of whole just whole cloth made this up and then went out and, and involved students in it as well. So have I? Have I brought us up to where, yes, we, where we left I, at?
2: I would personally. I'm going to say that Michelle Blakely orchestrated. Okay. This. Well, this it sounds thing. like it to me. This is like this is like one of those movies, right? <laughs> We've seen movies like this, where somebody good is all of a sudden becomes the focus of some kind of psychopathic villain, and it's just mental torture throughout the whole deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this is. This is like a movie. But when – we'll go back to when you first had the problem with, Mich- with Michelle Blakely because you had an incident where you were discussing a student and she didn't like you doing your job, basically. Correct. Right. And so she got ugly with you. You got probably a little ugly back. No, I did not.
4: Did you not? Well, I'm that's very not your professional nature. Professional while I'm at work. So yeah. no, I did not. You've proven
2: that. You're, you're, I'm not as professional as you. <laughs> okay. All
4: right. So they go
2: to a meeting. You go. So the you go to a meeting with Michelle and the in the principal, Doctor St. Louis. And all of a sudden, Michelle just out of the blue says, "What?
4: I pushed her. Yeah. So Which, she was trying to deflect from the reason I called the meeting because i the one I called the meeting." Um, because she was rude to me in front of students, and I didn't think that, you know. But
1: you told us before we broke for news. Right, okay. right.
4: Um, yeah, she was rude to me in the class while I was trying to correct a student. Um, I didn't know there was black, bad blood between us, I didn't know she was holding something against me for something to happen prior when I brought three students back to class and told her, you know, you can't let students out of class early. Which is your job. Right. Um so she was upset because I told her that. Um I didn't I didn't know that. I wasn't aware that she was upset about that, but um I found out um a couple months later when I went in her room and she was very impertinent. Um, so that's when I immediately called my supervisor and let her know, um, this is what happened with a teacher. We need a meeting immediately. Um, so the meeting went to the end of the day. So if I had pushed her, she had plenty of time. Soon as I pushed her to go directly to the principal or the police officer to let them know Miss Howard pushed me, but that didn't happen. She waited till we got in the meeting and I was describing the events that occurred in the classroom with her and her behavior and when it was her turn to talk um, she stated that I pushed her
2: so basically you're saying the facts she can't refute them so in defense right she, she
1: creates a story she yes now let's not look at this because hey look she pushed me
2: yeah and right. uh, and so were you put on a paid admin leave we for that? were
4: both put on paid admin leave investigation. Wow,
2: and that investigation cleared you, correct? De- correct. So she's not done. So we get that. So we, so we, we, we do that. And so after the first year, all of a sudden, from the testimony, uh, the young man—I want to make this clear—the young man who is supposed to be the victim, who's no victim at all, didn't make this complaint. Never, never went
1: before anybody. No. Okay.
2: Never alleged anything. Okay. From his from his testimony in the transcripts that we forced them to give us, he makes clear that he didn't know anything about it. That he had no relationship with Miss Howard, none whatsoever. He and his mother offered to give them all the phone records. Said, "You can check our phone records because there were allegations of phone calls and, and texts and sexting and stuff that just right. didn't happen." And so while they're talking to him the kid he said he said look and he wasn't even the first person interviewed
1: mm-hmm.
2: he goes look my friends were telling me y'all were talking to him about this this is how i found out my friends were saying you all have talked to them about this and we're asking them questions why didn't you come ask me first mm-hmm. and that's what the parent was saying why didn't you come to us first because this did not happen so then it gets better the kid starts describing how Miss Blakely kept trying to put him up to making complaints again, against Miss Howard and saying that, hey, I'm hearing what's going on with y'all, and he's saying there's nothing going on with us. And so she was encouraging him, trying to get him to make the complaint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So since he would not, what we're told is someone else, made the complaint. Now, mm-hmm. from the testimony, and Tan uh, it with me, from the testimony, it's clear that another student, most likely a female student, was coerced into going to the district and saying, hey, this is what this is what uh, Ms. Howard and this student are doing. Mm-hmm. Student goes, no, that's not. Now, I want to make clear, too, Ms. Howard, Tanisha, she said, look, you can have all my phone records.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, they weren't interested in that, though. They did not take the offer. Even though there are allegations of sexting and phone calls, districts did not take the offer from either one.
1: Okay, but there was somebody else that did the investigation.
2: Yes, it's uh there there are actually two people. The uh, Gary Logan, who is director of student services, I believe, That's at the right. district. He got appointed as an investigator and in a contract person who's a former police officer, Ann Hinton. They conducted the investigation into okay. this. Okay, and I I really have a problem, especially with Hinton in this, because she literally, literally, uh, bust is a street term or slang term for h- having sex. Okay. With someone. This lady literally looks at a student with the student's mother sitting there and said, Did you ever bust Ms. Howard? Now, that's inappropriate. Very. That's inappropriate for an investigator to look at a student in front of that student's mother and say, did you ever bust Miss Howard? I'd fire her on the spot just for that alone.
1: Well, okay. after this investigation, they should fire her.
2: Of course, here's the thing. We've proven through FOIA, thank God for FOIA, because by federal law, the investigators for a Title IX case are supposed to be uh, trained for those investigations. Correct. The decision maker. In the process is supposed to be trained in that decision-making process so i for you the district for all training records for uh logan uh hinton and dr hooper in that process well they pushed back they didn't want to give them to me so i ended up talking to cody keys who we all know we've talked about begging Mimsley and keys on here before and we pretty much force them to respond to the foi and they have no they say no records exist No training records exist for Logan, Hinton, or Hooper. That I think we see I think we can see evidence of that from Hinton's question. You know,
1: (laughs) that she hadn't been trained in this. The people who should get in trouble for this, I mean, look, justice cries out that something happens here to these people who did a an investigation weren't qualified to do the investigation. For an administration that put all of this into into motion and didn't do it correctly, all the way up to how nothing has happened to any of these people, no harm, no foul, so to speak, from the administration of the of the school system. Man, the people of of uh, North Little Rock should be voting uh, on a new school board. Voting on getting a new superintendent, folks. This is look. They asked you to raise your land taxes just a few years ago, saying they're going to give you great, great uh, uh, educations. Well, this is what you've gotten. Yeah, this is you've gotten used. It. the the kid the, the alleged
2: victim who's not a victim <laughs> who's taking up for Ms. Howard and himself. He states in his interview with them, that Miss Blakely tried to bribe him into doing this. What
1: she, offer, what she offered. Well, he didn't
2: say it, but he stated she tried to bribe him into doing this. And we're going, to, okay. When that interview ended, there should have been an immediate investigation launched into Michelle Blakely. Well,
1: of course. Do you think that happened? Of course not. No. I mean, it this sounds like the Keystone Cops. Yeah. And so... When we got
2: those transcripts, it really enlightened us, and we got a game plan on what to get. So what we've done is – and Tan has done it with me. It's not just me, okay, but we've done this as a team because Tan's professional and very smart, very smart. And we started researching. So as soon as we determined that they violated policy and federal law, that's when uh, Tan filed a grievance with the district. Now we determined that Jacob Smith, the Title IX coordinator at the district, uh, failed to follow nine policy steps in the district's own policies and procedures, and ten federal laws under the Title IX Chapter Thirty Four investigations in the Title IX complaints. Ten. They the only information they've given her is the transcripts. They're supposed to give the investigative report. They were supposed to give her time uh, to rebut to it before the decision maker made a decision. They violated every bit of that today. Now, I'm on 10 because of an email communication that I have with Cody Keys because we pushed. And uh, Cody said, well, you've got all the information the district has that's available. Keyword, they're available. You know what that tells me? That an investigation report was never done.
1: All right, back with you. Let's finish this up. Where are we right now uh, as far as this is concerned, Jimmy? Where are we? Where do we have yet to go?
2: Well, and we could go on forever, but re- real quick, I want to get in. This This nightmare does not end because a couple of weeks ago a student filed a harassment complaint against Miss Howard out of the blue. Okay. And uh, I actually talked to Michelle Blakely about this. And – she actually told me about it and that the student was, uh, had filed it because Ms. Howard had been riding him hard and been ugly to him, which was not the case. So the student files this harassment complaint, which was, by all accounts, including Michelle Blakely, she orchestrated this kid to go okay. do this. All right, so then the kid conscience gets to him, and he comes, and not only does he recant, he tells and puts in a statement what Michelle Blakely, how she came to him, how she recruited him to do it, told him he needed to make the complaint and basically what to say. That's what finally got her sent home.
1: All right. Shame. Okay, it so Michelle them. Blakely is now. Been Our, my
2: understanding is she is on paid administrative leave pending an outcome of an
1: investigation. Okay. So let me turn again to Tan here and let you finish up. How has this affected you work wise uh you know mentally yourself going and having to walk through all of this
4: it's been a a real struggle um hearing different people say different different things I've heard so many different uh stories regarding myself and students, so um my character has definitely been assassinated. Um, but throughout it all, I've remained level-headed and calm, just knowing justice will prevail. Prevail. Um, the hardest thing for me, though, has been being in the same building with this teacher and mm-hmm. seeing her and knowing that she has been behind everything and still not saying anything to her, not um being mean or rude to her but just knowing that everything is going to work itself out but that has definitely been hard because I have to pray every day that I don't snap at school and and I haven't so I'm I'm really grateful and I'm grateful for Jimmy as well he has been remarkable throughout this process and I thank him
1: all right that's why he shows up every Wednesday here on my show.
2: I, I have to say about Tan, she is she is better than you and I. She has handled this. Oh, with, I've
1: already admitted yeah. she's better than I am. I'd be in retribution mode.
2: Oh, <laughs> she she's handled this. I'm going to use the word. She's handled this with grace, like a lady would, right? Yeah. And uh, no, like I, a
1: Christian woman would.
2: Yeah, and i I admire I admire Tan so much in uh, for what she's gone through and how she's handling. What we're going to do? I got to get in real quick. Uh, we're going to a different level on the grievance. We've got a meeting Friday at 1:30 with the executive director of secondary education to this process. I can already tell you where this is going. We're gonna we're gonna take it all the way to the school board. It's gonna be a public meeting. We're gonna get the notice out when it's going because it'll be live streamed. We want that room full when we have it because here's the deal, brother Dave. This is one the board can't go in a different room to deliberate. They're gonna have to deliberate this one in public. They're gonna have to look. Citizens and I, and Tannen and I, on this,
1: and explain why what happened happened, yes. and, right. and give her justice. Let me know when that is. The ghost, yeah, he's going to he's going to be on with us today. Nate, how are you?
5: Good morning, gentlemen. I am doing well. Uh, I am on the left coast this morning, um, so um, enjoying uh, the opportunity to be with y'all. Sorry I missed the uh, earlier couple of hours, but
1: uh, uh, it's, it's been really it's good. it was good today, Nate. We talked to Westerman. He had some good things to. To talk about today, and then we just had a teacher on from over in North Little Rock. That uh, I had to get her story out. Nobody else is talking about what his, his, has uh, occurred uh, to her, and uh, we hope to seek some justice for her. And then I want to get you on because uh, you're getting involved about the whole FOIA thing that went down during the special session. I was in Florida when it went down because I was on vacation, but I was keeping up with it. I was talking to people all the time, and it's just incredible to me uh, that we are trying to protect FOIA from Republicans. It just amazes me, and maybe maybe I shouldn't be amazed, but I am. And uh, David Couch hasn't got here yet. He's going to come. He's going to be in the studio as well. And uh, you and he have talked, and I guess together you are working towards getting something on the ballot in what, 2024? And making uh, the FOIA a, a, a part of the Constitution of Arkansas. Is that correct?
5: Well, that's mostly correct. I, you know, uh, a lot of folks have um, pointed to David and I, and. Um, you know, right now, we are probably the most visible people in this effort, but it's a <laughs> collaborative effort of a lot of Arkansans. Um, we, we have a, a, a huge team that's working together, and uh, I, I'm excited. We'll, we'll be announcing the ballot question committee early next week, and uh, the folks that are on that are an impressive group of, you know, former public officials and notable Arkansans. Um, it's just so one of the things that's been interesting about this. I've been involved in a lot of volunteer efforts over the years, as both y'all are aware, and um, I've never had a situation where I didn't have to go around asking for help um, or you know um, asking people to consider donating. Um, this is a situation where my phone's been ringing off the hook with people saying, "How can I help? What resources do you need? Where do we where do we send a contribution?" and I'm struggling to actually organize all of the available resources and to make sure, you know, that we get ourselves in a position to legally accept donations and all the other things associated with that. So, it's a great problem to have.
1: Well, I agree, you know, you, you, I I can't I can't believe that after the, the last general session that we came back in a special session and readdressed FOIA again after To be honest, I think the the people against FOIA took a beating during the general session.
5: Well, you know, they did. Um, I think y'all were in the room when um, Representative Ray ran uh, what was essentially the substance of the bill that was brought up in the special session and um, received five votes in the House State Agencies Committee, I mean, out of 20. It took a spanking. And then to turn around and bring basically the same bill with even more inclusions, in it back during the special session and uh, try to pass the same thing again was just uh, a, it was frankly mind blowing.
1: Yeah, that gets to be well, I got to say there's some arrogance involved there that the people better take take stock on because they try to do this again they'll get beat up even worse. In fact, I think there's some people that may not be reelected because of what they did uh, during the general and then the special session about FOIA. This is a piece of legislation that the people of Arkansas love. They love it. And it, And on top of it, it's when Republicans are in control of the legislature and all the constitutional offices and they're the ones that gave birth to this legislation.
5: You know, the word that I've used, you mentioned arrogance, the word that I use is humorous because (laughs) <laughs> um, what what we're seeing is just a level of arrogance that really is unprecedented in Arkansas politics. You know, people have always been or respectful. Elected officials have been very respectful of the people's right to know. Yes, and you know, there, there's been some battles, but ultimately, everybody's recognized that. Look, at the end of the day, we've got to be transparent. And one of the most troubling things that. I've seen is this, um, real, almost a goal to make government efficient at the expense of transparency. And, and you know, I want uh, a Republican Senator during the special session said something to me that's really stuck with me. He said, you know, the most efficient form of government is a dictatorship and you know, we all want government efficiency, but a burden of government of and by the people is that the people are involved in the decision making process. And, yes, that slows things down. Yes, that makes them less efficient. But, ultimately, that's the
2: only way we stay free. Nate, I, I, I want to echo that point because the argument from the people that want to do this is uh, that it will make government more, more efficient. Well, the reality is their idea to make government more efficient is remove your right to, of oversight to their efficiency so you won't see how inefficient they are. Good point, Jimmy. And that seems to be the goal. But, you know, we, we've talked before. Tell the folks you've got you've got some thoughts on what to accomplish in this amendment. And, and I think you had three or four uh, really good points. Can you go over those with the folks?
5: Yes. And, and you know, Jimmy, I, I think I'll preface it with, by saying that we have a really, really diverse coalition of people who are united around really one goal, which is protecting FOIA. And we all have a wish list of things that we would love to see change. But at the end of the day, what really unites us is that central core. And so this effort is really going to stay focused on keeping that, just that central goal of protecting FOIA. And so our amendment proposal um, in all of the discussions around that rough draft is, is centered on keeping it very, very simple. And so what we're looking to do right now, really three basic bullet points, um, clearly establish that Arkansas citizens have a right to access their government and specifically public meetings, public documents, communications, data, um, and create that as a clear constitutional right. The second thing is that we increase sanctions for violators, for public um Employees who intentionally and willfully violate a citizen's right to know um, that we create a, a system of increased sanctions for those violators. And third, take it out of the hands of the legislature to um, increase the um, secrecy in the Arkansas government. So, what we're going to do specific to that at this point, at least in our first draft, is to set it back to the FOIA law or the disclosure laws of the state as they were on September 1, 2023, just prior to the special session. And we're, you know, we're working with a lot of different things on that language, but what we'll do is we will state that the legislature may not increase the exemptions to the Arkansas disclosure laws um, for anything past that date then um, we will require that any changes that increase exemptions be referred by a two-thirds vote of the legislature to the people for a majority vote of the people. And so the idea being that anything that increases disclosure will be voted on by the people of Arkansas and that the legislature cannot alter
2: that uh, on their own.
1: Sounds good to
2: me. I think that's something that everybody wants. And, and I want Nate to elaborate on this, too, because he was in a special session, as I was. And I was truly amazed, Dave. And I know you heard the stories, but I, if you hadn't been in Florida, I know you would have been there. But it's something that I was just truly amazed at the bipartisanship that showed up to special session. Good.
1: So that's what's needed in a situation like this.
2: We had people from the far left to the far right, from the center left to the center right, Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, gay people, straight people. We were all in locked arms at the state capitol from the start to the finish in that committee meeting. And what was interesting, I think Nate alluded to this, every one of us said the same thing to the legislators. Now, I've never seen bipartisanship like that. Nate, do you ever remember seeing anything like that?
3: Jimmy, I,
5: I've told a number of people, I'm 54 years old, I've been actively involved in politics since I was 14, so that's I'm in my 40th year, and I've never seen anything anywhere close to the kind of unity that developed um, around that. Interestingly enough, probably the closest thing I've ever seen to it was September 12, 2001, when... All, you know, really, all of the United States stood united against the people who attacked us. And um, September 12th of 2023, um, I saw really the same kind of thing coming together. Um, just, as you, as you said, Jimmy, just such a diverse group of people. Um, I was particularly impressed um, during the Zoom meeting where a number of us got together to kind of discuss how to go forward on, I guess, that Wednesday, and I'm sitting looking around the screen and seeing people who have been bitter political enemies for many, many years, people who, as a number of people, have been involved in lawsuits with each other recently, and, you know, devoted blog pages to hating on each other, and everybody's sitting there saying nice things about each other, um, thanking one another for being there, and united in one common goal, protecting transparency. we truly um, have something that is uh, is unprecedented happening here in our state. I'm very proud of it.
1: Well, one thing I, I've i told everybody on this show, and I'll continue to tell it, is that a lot of the stories that we break here on this show that nobody else talks about is because of FOIA. Mm-hmm. We would not have gotten the information that we needed to be able to sit in and and on the air with microphones and talk about some of the stuff that's going on, and uh, I thank God for FOIA. I thank God for Governor Rockefeller making the the initial move on FOIA. I, I I'm I'm disappointed that there's fellow Republicans that are doing what they can do to try to try to destroy FOIA. As far as I'm concerned, so uh, I'll keep doing what I'm doing as long as I can get the information. And if I got to go back to the way I used to do it, which is find and, and, and get people that are working with these people in uh, the uh, the House of Representatives or the Senate or the governor's office or wherever it might be and them slipping me papers, we'll do it that way as, as well. I mean, look, uh, Governor E B found out how that was. You can lie to the, to the to Arkansans all you want to, but when you have a letter that you sent directly to uh, the secretary of health and, and uh that uh, you wanted to be the first state to instigate obamacare uh, I read that on the air live while he was telling the, the press just the opposite, and uh that changed our relationship a lot.
2: yeah, I Dave, bet it did <laughs> Dave,
5: you make a really good point there, just with regard to FOIA. and you know um during my time in the legislature um we use FOIA as legislators to get information from agencies that they wouldn't otherwise provide us. Yeah. And, you know, one key instance of that, Senator King brought this up, I think, during some of the Senate committee hearings, but um, there were a number of legislators who were aggressively um, sending FOIA requests around some of the purchasing and um, budget Uh, expenditures at uh, Arkansas Forester Commission, and what we found ultimately led to uh, the director of the Forester Commission leaving and a number of people losing their job um, because there were budget violations and a number of other things being covered up, and, you know, you can even take that further. Um, A lot of the problems at the University of Arkansas that John Diamond ultimately um, brought forward um, was a combination of both whistleblowers and FOIA. But there's a long history of um, FOIA being used to expose corruption in Arkansas. And, you know, as someone who has personally been involved in some of that, and I know Jimmy has as well and you have and a lot of others have, we we know the value that it, it has in exposing corruption, and it's it's critical to, to Arkansas. But there is one additional thing that I want to point out, And that is, I was disappointed to see such broad numbers of um, legislators support the final bill in the special session. um, It's very important to note that there were huge numbers of them who stood united with us against the uh, bills as originally proposed. And, um, you know, all of us need to remember that They did fight with us on that, and in many cases standing against uh, tremendous pressure from a governor of their own party.
1: All right, let's continue uh, with our discussion here for this hour uh, about uh, FOIA. Uh, It came to a head again during the special session. It was beat back again during the special session. And now, uh, you know, look, I can tell you probably – you're looking at uh, maybe another special session ne- next year and maybe something they'll try to do before uh, we can muster all of our uh, people together and get something uh, in front of you so you can vote on it. W- with that thought, M- Nate, uh, I mean, to get that on the ballot, we're going to have to get something out of the lieutenant, uh, not the lieutenant governor, the uh attorney general's office as far as you know what the question's going to look like on the ballot how do we work with somebody who's been you know so adamantly against what we're going to try to do
3: well
5: i wish david had uh, been able to join us already but hopefully he'll be here shortly the the short answer to that is that ultimately, you may recall, there was a case, Kaus versus Rutledge, I believe, where um, the the Attorney General at the time, Leslie Rutledge, was blocking, using the Attorney General's office to block ballot titling. And um, David appealed that to the Arkansas Supreme Court, and ultimately, that authority was taken from the Attorney General, and um, the court, you know, just said, "Look, you're abusing the power. We're not going to let you continue to do this um so there's precedent on this already, and uh the the current a g has you know taken a pretty aggressive stance against uh ballot titling as well. um you saw that with the capes proposal regarding Arkansas learns. You've seen that with uh just this week with the feminine hygiene sales tax amendment proposal and so you know it's pretty clear that he's going to aggressively oppose ballot titling and make that process difficult we we will just we're going to submit a very clear amendment we're going to submit a very clear ballot title we're on track to do that by November 1st that's our target and once we submit that we'll do our best to work with him we hope that he'll um, you know, take a really clear and transparent um, approach to the ballot titling that's fair. And if he doesn't, we'll pursue the appropriate legal remedies.
1: To it. And uh, I want to continue our conversation with Nate Bell. Uh, we're just going to hold him for a few more moments. He's out on the left coast, and so he got up early to be with us. It's about 730 out there right now. And so uh, we'll let him get some breakfast and things of that nature because he's a farm boy. Oh, yeah. I'm just yeah. telling you, he's farm boy. He yeah. likes his breakfast. Oh yeah, we're both dirt road guys, <laughs> you know. And he'll be yeah. he'll be he'll get short tempered with us here in the near future. <laughs> yeah. if we don't, you don't want Nate you know. short tempered. <laughs> I've,
2: I've already had coffee. I'm calm down.
1: Okay. <laughs> All right, go ahead.
2: No, Nate. What I was gonna go to next is we love the three points. They're they're simple. They're what the people want. They met the people made that clear during the special session. What you said knows through what they want, but everything boils down to language. Uh, and how important is it to keep that language simple and concise because it's it's what the people are going to base their support for this amendment off of? And the and I know you've got people working on the language, and I don't even want to ask who they are because that part's not going to matter right now. What's going to matter is when we see the language. First, when do you anticipate that? that will have that first draft?
5: Well, so we have promised that we would bring a first draft out for public comment by the 15th of October. I will tell you that because we're working so hard to keep it simple, we believe we're ahead of that timeline and hope to flow the first draft to the public well in advance of that date. Good. Um, possibly, possibly quite soon. One of the things that we're committed to is – Transparency. We, the only reason that we've been just a little quiet about getting this first draft together is because we have to have a starting point. Um, It's impossible, as Jimmy said, you know, you got to have language, and so we want to get a starting point out there, get a discussion going. But we really want robust, um, a robust dialogue about what we're doing. The. The really important point that Jimmy touched on is how important it is to keep this simple. Um, And for several reasons. First of all, obviously, it's important to keep it simple so that the public can clearly understand what we're doing. But there are also um, other reasons. The ballot titling is important. The simpler we have the language, the, the much more difficult it is for our opposition to fight us on ballot title. But even beyond that, there's some history in Arkansas of people suing uh, to remove things from the ballot based on, you know, multiple subject issues and various other things. And so we want to keep this really narrow just so that once we do qualify for the ballot, it becomes difficult for our opposition to get it removed. And beyond that, our very diverse coalition of Arkansans is, is really a group of people who don't have a lot of things that they agree on politically. So, keeping this narrow and keeping it focused is important to keep our coalition united. The other side is going to seek to find every way they can to divide us, and the more narrow and streamlined this is, the less likely they are to be successful in that effort.
2: Is it is the hard part to keep the language simple, but at the same time be effective to the goal?
5: Absolutely. Yeah, you know, you know, as an attorney, that that's that's the most difficult thing anytime you're dealing with something that's gonna take scrutiny from a lot of other a lot of other attorneys and so you know we have some really great people involved in the drafting process I know we'll, we'll be announcing who they are very very shortly but um, good group bipartisan group of, of people who but more importantly they are people who are experts in constitutional law and in understanding how to create something that ultimately
2: is defensible in court. Let me ask you this, uh, because ACT, uh, Arkansas Citizens for Transparency, group that you're forming, uh, it's on Facebook. I encourage everybody to go join that group, by the way. Uh, it's the commitment to transparency. So when the language comes out, as you talked about, you're going to want uh, citizen input. So the language will be out, and you invite Citizen input, and uh, so w- there's going to be open discussion about the language. So, th- I want to make clear, to people, in, that if I'm reading you right, this is a first draft that you're going to get input from citizens before you really go forward w- with the with the final language. Is that right?
5: A hundred percent, Jimmy. That's that's absolutely correct. We um, we are working, and hopefully, ha- are going to have time enough to Um, post some public comment events around the state where we'll actually um, be able to meet with citizens live to discuss what we're trying to do and to take that input and commentary. But at minimum, we will have this um, shared broadly around the state and be seeking comment both on social media and, um, you know, via other avenues. Certainly be uh, happy to get it to you all um, as well and you know we're, we're going to make it available to um, all Arkansas media um, any anyone that we can really we, again we want it to be transparent um, do appreciate Jimmy um, noting the Facebook group um, that will be the very first place that any announcements are made regarding this effort so you know if you want to stay right on top of what we're doing that's the first place it'll be done and that's just Arkansas Citizens for Transparency discussion group on Facebook
1: alright Nate, we'll let you go. Uh, I didn't want you to have to be here the whole hour. We thought that uh, David Couch is going to be here. He hasn't shown yet. We've got uh, we've got a search party out for him right now. I've let the bloodhounds go, so we'll try to find him. But uh, we appreciate the time that you've given us this morning on the Dave Ellswick Show.
5: Well, one, one additional thing, I, I think by the end of the week, possibly as early as today, we will have website up. Um it will be AR Citizens for And you can do FOR or the number four, either one in that in that link. That'll be a place for people to go um formally sign up to help gather petitions um to volunteer in various aspects of this. And uh we are gonna need everybody to uh stand with
1: us. All right. We appreciate you, Nate. I'll have you on in the near future again about this. The uh, Arkansas Citizens for Transparency, AR Citizen for Transparency, is going to be the new website. And the Facebook page is uh, Arkansas Citizens for Transparency as well. Go there you know, every day or every other day to keep up with the latest news on how the petition is going. Thanks a lot, Nate.
5: You're very welcome, and I uh, appreciate y'all having me on to discuss this.
1: All right. Mm,
0: bye-bye now. Nate Bell. I like Nick. Nate's a good friend